Talk to us about today's wondrous guest and her wisdom she's about to share. Right, Mark, is it fair to say that in the many years that we spent working together trying to help musicians, it, one of the most common things is, I want to get signed, regardless of if that's an artist that hasn't even put a song out yet, or even yeah. a bigger artist that we meet. It's Even now, still. Yeah. Even now in 2023, it's still... And different levels, right? That. It doesn't really matter if it's a major, if it's an independent. I think that sentiment, whether it's because of Hollywood, whether it's because of the, an artist's favorite artists themselves, like the fantasy... Well, actually, fantasy is the wrong word. The sentiment of getting signed is such a huge thing. So most people that want to get signed know they need to look for an A&R. Even though a lot of musicians, I'm pretty sure, don't actually know what an A&R does. They've joined those dots of A&R. Kind of helps me get to that record label. I think they've worked I've, that bit out. I've met A&Rs who don't know what A&Rs do. Exactly. But it's the equivalent of a football scout, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's the person who signs you to the label and then is your mentor, half mentor, half mum. So... It's pretty cool then that the listener for the next 25 minutes or so is going to hear from not just an A&R, not just an A&R at one of the biggest record labels in the world, but an A&R, a senior A&R manager at one of the biggest record labels in the world. Now, for context, listener, Molly, who you're about to meet, is a senior A&R manager at Parlophone, who, you know, legendary label, I'm sure you've heard of them. If you're not familiar with their exact roster, just a quick look at the website will show you that there is Blur, David Guetta. Those level artists are on this label. So, you know, they're not messing around with small fish. But they do also work with plenty of new artists, like most labels do. Molly is a big part of that. Molly is a big part of the team working with those new artists, being the person that helps sign them. So for the next 25 minutes, you're going to hear from someone that has the power and has the experience of signing artists to one of the biggest record labels in the world. And we ask her the things you want to know. Like, should I or shouldn't I send you a flip-flop? Molly, so... We think of our listener, and this is actual truth, not just thought, uh, as a musician at the start of their career who is very, very talented. We can't help them if they're not talented. So they are writing good songs, they are playing good shows, they know their instrument, etc., etc. But they want help on music industry bits. And, you know, for yeah. different artists, that means all sorts of different things. You know, for some artists, they're obsessed with getting a manager. For some artists, they're obsessed with getting a label and everything in between. Uh, in your very unique position and perspective you'll be able to share on the show, I think we want to open this up by just starting with a quite intentionally broad question, which is essentially for that musician who was at the start and they've seen all the movies about major labels and they've seen you know, all these Twitter threads about independent labels and all these things that they hear, but obviously none of it's ever like fully accurate. In your opinion, what are the three things that musician needs to know if their goal is to get signed, regardless of if it's an independent, a major with yourself, etc.? Well, I think the first thing, speaking specifically from an A&R perspective, the focus shouldn't be on getting signed. Obviously, that might be the goal for many artists, ultimately. But when you're doing what you should be doing, which is, you know, which I'll kind of, I guess, move on to later. But, you know, releasing great records and servicing your community and like building fandom, whether that's, you know, 10 people in a whatsapp group or people who follow to your local pub gigs or whatever like whatever you do you should be doing that and like focusing on building that out as opposed to like dming a&r people or like messaging managers or lawyers like a huge part of my job is finding talent as it is yeah. for like many other a&r people so if you're doing the right stuff it it will it will come to you eventually uh you just gotta kind of be patient with it and stick to your guns a little bit so i suppose yeah the kind of first thing would be that the right people will come to you eventually mm. be that managers or lawyers or a&rs or whatever if a&rs are the right people to come to you because it might be that distribution suits you better or whatever so that would be my first sort of thing and then yeah leading on from that what i've already mentioned is like servicing your community like whoever that that might be 
building that out and kind of focusing on getting a kind of group of super fans who are joining a whatsapp group with you or an instagram channel um or who are like responding you know to all of your tiktoks or coming to gigs that you're doing open mic nights or busking or whatever like basically forming that community um however big or small early on because those will be the people if you super serve them and you know keep in contact with them and make them feel involved and special that will continue to be fans of yours for you know forever more hopefully and then I guess the other thing is just you know having it sounds really basic but like having a plan you know you see artists who have virality or moments that sort of seem to be a real linchpin in like turning their career around but if you don't have any other music finished or Hmm. you haven't sort of thought about what comes next then it's actually quite difficult then to like continue any momentum you've built so I'd say like you know making sure that if you're releasing you've got you know which records you're releasing next and if you're releasing an EP or an album or like a more a longer body of work it's like cool do you have a really great creative involved so that you know you've got whatever that might be like fantastic images or interesting like you know DIY visuals that you've done that there's a kind of narrative thread running through it so that you know if for example someone from Spotify playlisting is like oh this is an interesting song what's next when I'm deciding whether or not to support this artist if you haven't considered the next steps then I think it can kind of damage the proof of concept a bit I think it's really important to show what your artist proposition is and the music and the creative and everything from you know, from the time that you start to release. Wow. Mark, what are you saying? I want to chat about servicing your community, building your fan base. Yeah. End of 23, going into 24, Molly, I reckon you could say one of the the best things about being a musician right now is there's never been more ways to build a fan base. And one of the worst ways, things about being a musician right now is there's never been more ways to build your fan base (laughs) and how overwhelming overwhelming that can be so from your your experience as a successful a r are there two or three ways that are really standing out for you right now as the most effective ways to start building your fan base at the start of your career i mean it is really artist to artist specific but i can give you some examples of things that i've seen that i've thought of worked super well for example i won't name names of artists in this instance but there's you know like a production duo um sort of project that is super exciting and they've sort of they've actually not released they've not released any music yet um and they are purely forming a discord online community um releasing their stems on discord and getting like people who are interested in their music and who've been following their live uh their like live gigs and their live shows to remix or use the stems in their own way and like kind of post things back and that's you know that's formed its own its own kind of communication style so their discord is like you know it's popping off there's like conversations happening that's the kind of communication it encourages it's like fan to fan interaction rather than just artist to fan interaction so so like discord is a really interesting one for specific artists um we work with ash nico at parlophone and you know she's like been amazing in terms of discord of like there's a lot of gaming discord crossover so for her it's been like a really important platform um because that's the kind of world that she associates with so for example that's an example of ways that you can kind of build that out as simple as whatsapp whatsapp groups of like you know it could be like really helpful like if you want to kind of service those fans whether you've got yeah 10 15 people in there or a thousand it's 
you know maybe you put snippets of new songs in there you kind of drop locations for like pop-up shows you're doing or just find ways to kind of keep communication going another one of my artists she's all all of her like all of her content and all of her style is like it's very intimate and it's very sort of personable and the way that she communicates with her fans you kind of feel like she's you know she's your best mate sort of thing that's like really her like a superpower so for her it's been you know a kind of whatsapp group as well as like an instagram uh a private instagram page where she posts stuff with her her like her fan group um and does sort of and does meetups you know whether that's like they all went to the cinema together or um (laughs) you know what i mean or like you know she they did like we did a candle making workshop last week or you know like it's just finding ways and what what you know what your fans and your community want from you and expect from you and also like how you can find like interesting ways of communicating with them so it can be you know it doesn't have to be something that costs money or do you know what I mean it can be like um as sort of DIY as you want it to be if it makes sense for the, the fans that you have well a decade of doing this kind of stuff Molly that's the first shout I've ever had to candle making as uh oh yeah yeah, yeah, secret, yeah. Secret I, am, I am here for the wholesome for the wholesome content <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if if I can jump on there, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the thing I think is really interesting there is any artist at the start when, you know, they've been following all the kind of cl- what you might call more conventional ways of doing this, you know, they think mm. of just the mainstream social media platforms. And, you know, I th- you know, within what you were kind of saying there is the old school spirit of like an, a mailing list. And like, that's a conversation we've yeah. had often on the show of like, you know, I think a lot of artists think that's like so 2007 without realizing it's actually, you know, still. Oh, no, we are here ways. for mailing lists. Yeah, 100%. We stand a mailing list. <laughs> yeah. um, Everything comes back in fashion eventually. I know. Well, Naughty's nostalgia is in, yeah. guys. So, you know, so basically, we're doing it. We're doing it in marketing. We're doing yeah. it in style. We're doing it in music. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs> Um, so I just want to flip that like you know essentially you've talked in those two examples that's two what you might call unconventional examples what about the more conventional side of it so with the mainstream social media platforms you know Mm. when you're a lot of what you've already talked about is you know essentially knowing who the artist is making sure you're communicating that authentically and then you know knowing what your fan base wants and trying to find that harmony in the middle of it if you've just given two, two examples of artists using unconventional methods to you know, build a fan base. Is there any, two, you know, could you give us two on the conventional platforms that you just thought were interesting or not the norm, but on, let's say, Instagram or TikTok? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Instagram Reels and TikTok, I, I suppose like Instagram Reels sort of feels like it's perhaps taken over TikTok in relation to music-focused uh, mm. promotion or um, music-first content, mm-hmm. um, whereas TikTok's become a bit more lifestyle. But I think, you know, I think both platforms are still super valid, the way that the algorithm works on TikTok has like changed a bit now. So I think it real seems to be like a great platform in terms of new music discovery. You know, I, I think find a way to use it that feels natural to them and it's an authentic voice to them. I, I just, I think people can see through when mm-hmm. artists and other, and other, any other creator are just throwing things against the wall to see what sticks because yeah you know, the way social media has changed us and the way that the media in general has changed us. We have this access to people. And I think we can see when content and narrative is authentic to any artist, like musician or or otherwise. So I think it's just finding a voice on the on the conventional platforms that suits suits you and feels good to you. And whether that's as simple as posting videos of you playing songs or how you're writing your music or, you know, like, 
I think you can find things that feel natural and organic rather than having to force content styles that don't sit right with you. Okay, cheeky follow-up question if you let me, Mark. I won't like if, you. Uh, and again, you, uh, we haven't actually said this so far, Molly, but you obviously have the blessing to not answer any of these questions if you don't want to answer any of these. <laughs> but I know on behalf of our <laughs> audience, the one question they'll all want to ask someone like you is how important those numbers on social are when you are looking through artists. Like you've heard the song, you know, potentially yeah. one, I, potentially the best example for like our listeners might be, they've been putting in the work for a few years now. One of their songs is finally connected online or got some kind of traction. So it might have got in front of someone like you. And then you've mm. heard it, you're like, this is interesting. And then in whatever meeting you're in or whatever conversation you're in, you get digging a little deeper you know, the pessimistic artist would go, oh, I don't stand a chance because I don't have half a million followers. What do you say to that artist? I think perhaps there was a period where there was much more of a focus on that. I think now it's, I think I'd rather find an artist that had a tiny following, but the following is kind of like on this graph is going like this. Then like, then someone who's got one song popped (laughs) off and then the graph is dropping off the other end because they they can't find anything else that works for them or connects. So I think... It's not about number of followers, but I think it is about have you got the proof of concept of your whatever you're putting out there to kind of continue to build a following, however small, um, mm. just being able to show like show growth and um, show consistency. So I think it's not like a large number question. It's more of a are you building <laughs> fanship and community along the way as like with kind of real life elements as well as like building those on social media so sort of consistency is important as opposed to like how big your numbers are um yeah molly you made quite a passionate case at the start before you got excited about candle making um for the uh (laughs) kind of build it and they will come side of things rather than spending your whole life cold calling people um yeah but you are probably one of the most hustled species in the music industry. You know, the A&R, <laughs> the manager, the Spotify playlister, Radio 1 DJ. Have you got any good hustle stories of how people have creatively got on your radar? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had a few sort of funny, I don't know, like very sweet things and very, um, and very, like quite hilarious. Like this guy once sent me a, uh, he sent me, he sent me a flip flop um in the in the post and like one one flip-flop and I and then the le- and the letter sort of said like now I've got my foot in the door hey. <laughs> and I thought I know and I was like that is jokes to be fair like ratings yeah, ratings to you <laughs> so there's some funny hustle stories but unfortunately I wouldn't say there's any that have worked so. <laughs> <laughs> no one sent you some bespoke scented candles after they heard this show and I know yeah, yeah, yeah. like if they buy radio candles which are coming <laughs> what about yourself did you have to do any hustling at the st- sometimes it's interesting to hear about people's own because you're doing a dream job yourself one that a lot of people would dream dream of doing did you have to do any out the box hustling yourself at the start of your career there was a, yeah I mean a, a, you know a fair, a fair bit of a fair bit of hustling I'd say not to really age myself but it wasn't really a time of signing into the DMs Instagram <laughs> obviously existed but it wasn't really the same the same concept but um yeah I mean you know a lot a lot of hustling in the well, I, I mean, A and R is sort of like hustling twenty four seven in yeah. a lot of respects, but um, yeah, definitely to get myself uh, in a sort of 
desk job capacity in a, a music business company was a was a hustle in itself but I think with A&R it's like similar like similar in some ways my point of like you kind of you just have to you almost just have to do it and be doing it already and then that's kind of when I think people take a bit of a chance on you is when you've already been uh you know finding the artists and messaging the artists and putting together sessions and ideas and stuff for them so yeah it's a bit of it's definitely a bit of that on the A&R side as well I definitely introduce myself to a lot of different people at like random like pub gigs that I was <laughs> like I've seen this man here before maybe he's another another A&R person <laughs> mm. has been a bit of a theme this year would you say it's first time has been a bit of a theme in the last few months of people kind of going remember you can go out there in person and meet people this was going to be my next question so money context for our listener we met at BBC introducing live literally an event of exactly that you know probably thousands of people meeting music industry people back and forth networking charming each other yeah is that do you think there's still a place for that in 2023 2024 the sentiment of you know let's be clear to our listener not stalking but you know going to the right shows we used to have this kind of joke we're based in Nottingham we used to have this joke of like you know you're not just going to walk into your local pub and meet the boss of a record label right but obviously if you're strategic especially somewhere like London you can (laughs) actually work out the favorite pub of the senior A&R manager at a certain record label, et cetera, et cetera. So would you, speaking honestly, find it charming if someone knew who you were and, you know, give you a USB stick? Or would you be like, dude, that's a bit fucking weird. Go on. <laughs> what? I think, it, I think it depends on the context. Yes, of course. Of course. I think if we're at a music, a music event, that's fine. Yeah. But if not, I think I but, might be quite weirded out. But, yeah. The turn up at your Pilates class. I think that is genuinely an important <laughs> distinction there, right? Because you're right. Something like BBC Introducing, uh, obviously, intrinsically, if you as a music industry person are there, you are you know, acknowledging I am happy to speak to musicians because you're literally at an event where yeah. that's the purpose. However, you know, it is a very fine line, especially again in 2023 into 2024, where mm. some people genuinely really respect the hustle. And yeah, yeah, I'd say I don't. <laughs> no, that, that's what we're trying to get. <laughs> yeah, people could be, but it's like, I mean, I, to- I completely get it. But yeah. I, as I said at the beginning, the way of the way of getting what you need isn't yeah. being like isn't being like overly like aggressive with it because people react to different stuff, right? Like I'm sure mm. some people will be like, "Oh my god, like that person's messaged me loads and they've turned up at X Y Z thing." Like that yeah. that means they're just really keen and stuff. But I, me personally, like I don't. That's not how that's not how someone's going to resonate with me. I think it's like you know, it has to be respectful as well and, like, feel feel boundaried. And, you know, I don't know, this artist that I met, um, actually, no, she was at BBC Introducing, but we didn't speak then, but we ended up speaking a, a few weeks later at um, the Creating Vision seminar that I did. And, mm. you know, and she sort of, and she was, you know, so so lovely. And we had, like, a really nice conversation. And she sort of said, like, I really appreciate that you've, like, you know, you've given up two of your Saturdays in like the same month to come and talk to us I realized that that's not you know that's not expected of you but you've done that and it's like and that is true do you know what I mean because it's a bloody 24-hour day job anyway (laughs) um so you know and that's I think it's yeah if you do those panels you do the seminars I'm happy to stay after and talk to people and give them advice and have a chat but yeah beyond that when people are messaging you a lot it's like it's sort of like well this is also my Instagram page where I like yeah put 
you know pictures of being my mates on holiday I think that's the important distinction because every single guest that comes on here will have a different answer to that like I think totally. literally yeah, yeah, yeah. we've also funnily enough we've had a few guests on who I also met at Introducing Lives so literally some who would have been in that same room as you doing you know the feedback stuff mm. and uh, one of which a few shows ago I'm thinking of literally said the complete opposite of like yeah. DM every a and what you got to lose the worst thing they could do is block you so like literally yeah, that kind of contrast yeah. of like different opinions yeah. um, it is just yeah different folks right yeah <laughs> but the thing we're trying to do is help musicians and if a musician is dreaming of uh, being on that parlophone roster do not stalk Molly's Instagram and send her a flip-flop <laughs> picture in the DMs because it will get blocked <laughs> straight away what if it's a flip-flop and a candle Whoa! <laughs> flip flop and a candle. <laughs> the other flip flop. <laughs> the other flip flop for the pair. A candle that smells of flip flops. Definitely not that. <laughs> I think the thing that ties it together is a one or two liner that Sam and I talk about quite a lot, which is if hustling is the art of getting the attention of someone who doesn't know who you are, then research that person and interact with them the way they want to be interacted with. That is a broad principle that applies to everybody. The, then the details mm-hmm. of that are completely different. As Molly, you've just eloquated and Sam used the comparison. Rather than spam 100 A&Rs, research 10 and interact with them the way they want to be interacted with. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, I think I can, you can tell, you can also tell when people have sent a broad strokes (laughs) DM to 100 different um, A&R people. But then also, you know, when people have messaged me and said, who perhaps are like of a similar genre to the, uh, the art, you know, they're like, seen you know your work with Rachel Chinariri love everything you guys have been doing the music sounds amazing big fan of that I'm like okay cool well this person actually like they have any idea of the kind of artists I work with or the kind of artists I might be interested in signing so I suppose that's the the kind of the level of you know feeling that someone has they've got a specific interest perhaps in Parlophone as a label the kind of artists that they work with and the kind of artists that might get signed here um you know that's I think that's like a an important important thing to like acknowledge as well. Following up from that, Molly, then I've got one final question for you, and then we'll summarize this greatest hits. Which is, you just said have an idea of the artist that we might be looking to work with. We're recording mm. this in December 2023. Again, going into 2024, what are the kind of artists you're looking for right now? Artists who have a, a really clear voice um, for you know whatever their whatever they might kind of want to convey I think you know the artists that I work with you know in sort of varying spaces but all have a very strong message and I think the way that we're going to cut through and make an impact is by delivering um, a message that feels like unique and feels interesting having a really sort of clear sense of direction not letting that get diluted uh, I think is really important so yeah I think whether you're based in up in like Liverpool or Manchester or something and like building a cool thing there I think for me it's like finding you know great great music fantastic writing and artists that yeah they've got this they've got a kind of clear message and direction and you know the major labels role is to help them to build that out and realize it and you know my role as an A&R is to help make the music just absolutely fantastic and um make sure that everything else is like very clear around it but I think yeah for for like a for a major I think it's super important that the artist has done a fair bit of self-exploration before they've walked through the door um so that their vision and their narrative is super clear going forward 
Awesome. Right. Final question we ask everyone, Molly, as new music lovers, as we record this on the 11th of December 2023, what's one piece of new music you're personally loving right now, biased or unbiased? Oh, I, oh I'm going to have to be so biased. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Rachel with the Hills, first single off, yeah, a larger body of work to come next year. And I think it is a real moment, covers a lot of really interesting themes about yeah Britishness and kind of what it is to belong and uh, I think it's just an absolute indie banger so biased but I'm sorry sorry not sorry to promote my gorgeous artist <laughs> biased bangers ending this episode of the Happy Musician podcast biased bangers yeah oh mic drop in fact let's get what's well this one here we go fireworks for the biased bangers let's go let's go well, thank you, Molly. Thank you, BBC Introducing, for matchmaking Molly and Sam, because that's where you guys met, isn't it? Yeah, BBC Introducing Live, big up. This is where we tell you you should listen or watch or follow or join or basically stalk, stalk. our Instagram um, yeah, for music, just in helping goodness. Uh, and mm. if that was enough, there's probably going to be some flip-flop candle goodness this week. And then because we're into Christmas mode, which means it's nearly start the year mode, there's going to be even more musician helping some food than usual, isn't that right, Sam? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the things we could Photoshop you onto for Christmas, you know, Santa, Christmas hat. If I'm all right being Santa. If I'm Santa, what does that make you? You're either the elf or Mrs. Santa. <laughs> Talk about would you rather. Would you rather be on my knee as an elf or on my knee as Mrs. Santa? <laughs> I'm out. Bye. <laughs>